You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. At Arizona State University, we offer a variety of programs online designed and taught by a renowned faculty to empower your success. That's why 87% of ASU online graduates stated they were promoted or received an increase in salary after earning their degree. Visit asuonline.asu.edu. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Do the swamps of South Carolina hold a mysterious, evolutionarily divergent population of humanoid reptile creatures? That's the remarkable story that emerged from the swamps near Bishopville in 1988. The strange tale of the lizard man of Skateboard Swamp, coming up next. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Dog. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. There's no credible evidence that a weird humanoid reptilian is actually surviving or ever lived in the swamps of the southern United States. That, of course, does not stop people from seeing them. In this episode, we welcome back Lyle Blackburn, who has turned his journalistic eye towards the history of this peculiar tale and has put together a chronological narrative in his book, Lizard Man, the true story of the Bishopville Monster. Retellings of this story have appeared on TV shows and news programs, but Blackburn avoids the sensationalism and organizes his story within a chronological framework, all set within the narrative of his own visit to Bishopville to investigate the case. When we started Monster Talk, I definitely wanted to focus on science content, but I also love monsters and monster stories. I must admit a slight reluctance to cover Bishopville because the monster at the heart of this story is so unlikely. With a Bigfoot-type creature, you can at least point to other primates alive in the world and say, well, I don't know if Bigfoot's real, but it's not absurd. In my mind, a lizard man feels absurd because it's so unlike the other flesh-and-blood cryptids that fill my bookshelves. It's so close to being normal flesh-and-blood, yet so unlike any creature living or extinct, and it just bothers me. So full disclosure, until I read Lyle's book, I really couldn't get motivated to want to talk about this monster just because about how I felt about it. It's like the creature wants to be supernatural but isn't. 
It wants to be biologically plausible, but it isn't. And thus, I kept putting it off and putting it off. But then I finally read Lyle's book, and I got to know some of the people behind the story and the context of the monster, and finally found that there was more to talk about than I had expected. Lyle brings the Lizardman story into the context of the various Gillman and Reptile Man lore, legends, films, and books, and gives it a more venerable place in American monster lore than I was giving it credit for. I think that all comes out in this interview, but you'll be able to tell if I'm fibbing. And now let's hop into the Monster Talk. Monster Talk welcomes back Lyle Blackburn. Lyle previously joined us to talk about his book, The Beast of Boggy Creek, and has come back to share his deep research into one of America's most peculiar swamp critters, which he's written about in his book, Lizard Man, The True Story of the Bishopville Monster. After seeing you up at Crypticon in September, I've been really wanting to have this chat, so we are delighted to welcome you back, Lyle. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. So, Lyle, who or what is the Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp? Well, uh, you know, the... the 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 ultimate question answer to that is still up for debate, I suppose. But uh, the basic story of that is back in the late 80s, around 1988, uh, people in the area of Bishopville, South Carolina, started reporting sightings of what they called the Lizard Man. That was the name that the locals gave this uh, cryptid, if you will. And they described it as being humanoid in shape it stood upright it walked on two legs it was it could be you know seven feet tall uh, it had brownish or greenish what appeared to be scaly skin and uh basically uh there was some police reports there were witnesses that came forward there were a lot of other connected events that i suppose we could talk about you know as in the course of the conversation but just uh basically uh this was something that was seen in this swampy area known as Scapeor Swamp uh, outside of of the small town of Bishopville. And so, to me, the case has always been sort of a modern version of the creature from the Black Lagoon, like the creature, you know, the creature come to life in our modern day society. And, you know, you have, uh, you know, earnest and honest people who had sightings of something they just simply couldn't explain down there in that swampy area. So it's it's an intriguing case and one that is kind of become famous in cryptozoology as far as uh, the category of lizard men. And so the Bishopville lizard man would be, I, I suppose, the most famous of these lizard man type sightings. So I, I'm going to throw out some effusive praise here for your book. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the, the, the Bishopville... Lizard Man is one of the, uh, I guess, less written about creatures on the internet. And so you, it's not, I mean, you could read the Wikipedia page, but you've really done a great job of uh, collecting a lot of information and stories here and m- making a really good book. I really liked it. Um, can you tell us a few of the sightings or some of the stories about the sightings of this creature? Because I think some people will, even though I know we have a very monster-loving audience, a lot of people are not going to know about this creature because it's not one of our more, it's not as famous as Bigfoot or the Yeti or, or Nessie, but here in the South, it's uh, it's quite a story. Yeah, certainly. I mean, and, and one reason I think I'm attracted to it is because it's not overwritten, you know. Uh, you know, with my Bigfoot books, I've kind of taken a niche you know, look at some of the sightings and not just written general Bigfoot books. I mean, there's a lot of those out there. So in some ways, the Lizard Man, for me, was something that, like you say, there just ha- there wasn't, nobody ever really 
put together the whole story. There would be bits and pieces in Cryptozoology books where they would talk about some of the prominent sightings, but they, they would leave out a lot of the other ones. And, and so it was something that I decided to write about uh, just in terms of I, I was doing what I called a swamp tour, and this, this seemed like what I should do after my first book, The Beast of Boggy Creek, came out. I thought, well, I need to go out and just kind of you know see what flows for the next book. And I ended up out there in Bishopville to take a look at this area. And, and I, in, in talking to the locals and talking to a retired sheriff there, I thought, wow, this is a, this is a great story, you know, would make a great book. So ultimately, uh, the most famous sighting uh, occurred in July of 1988. And in this case, a young man by the name of Christopher Davis uh, was working late one night and on, on his way home, uh, Unfortunately, he had to go through the Scape or Swamp area, and as luck would have it, he had a flat tire, and he said that about the time he finished up changing it, he's putting the jack in the back of the trunk, he noticed a figure coming uh, across the uh, fennel grass there in the moonlight, and he could see it, you know, and at first he thought it was a person, which was scary enough, uh, being out there alone. It's a spooky-looking place, and if you saw some person coming at you in the dark, you know, scary enough. But he says that as it got closer, he realized uh, it didn't appear to be a human. It, it looked scaly. It was brownish or greenish, um, and it had what he, he said were three fingers with long claws, and it had a reptilian look to it. And, of course, I mean, it scared him to death. He jumps in his car and starts racing off. And whatever this thing was, said, he said it tried to, you know, jump on the car and get, get inside. It was reaching for him. And uh, he managed to speed off and, and weave and dodge. And the thing fell off the back and even, even then continued to pursue him running on two legs. And so... His story became sort of the pinnacle for the case because when he came forward to the police uh, department, the the uh, the sheriff's office there, he talked to uh, the sheriff at the time, Liston Truesdale, and uh, the sheriff thought he had a very compelling case. Not not necessarily that he had seen a lizard man, because the sheriff was you know uncertain as to what that was, but. The fact that something had happened to this kid, something scary and, and uh, you know, something that had affected him enough to come down there and tell his story. And just to kind of give you a, a little bit more brief background, prior to Chris, Christopher Davis coming forward, the police had gotten a call from a couple that lived near Skateboard Swamp that said their, their car had been mauled by what appeared to be an animal. And it was strange and... Uh, Truesdale sent some de deputies out there, and they took a look, and uh, they ended up calling him down there and said, we don't know what to make of this. But it definitely appeared that an animal or something had come out of the swamp and had torn up parts of the car or scratched at it. And it, it was that point that uh, Sheriff Truesdale first heard of the lizard man because in trying to find out what it was, a lot of the locals had showed up on site, and he said – you know, has anybody seen anything? And they said, well, it could be the lizard man. And the sheriff said, what do you mean, lizard man? I said, well, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. And he <laughs> says, and the local said, 
So people have seen a creature in the swamp area, and they call it the Lizard Man. So this was prior to Christopher Davis's incident, and uh, ended up getting published in the news about the car damage, and that's kind of what brought Christopher Davis forward because his father read the newspaper and said, "Hey, son, didn't you? This is basically what you saw the other night. It tried to attack you." So they came to the police department. So those were the first incidents that really got the ball rolling on the case. Let me be clear there. I'm laughing because I'm just trying to imagine what it's like to be the sheriff. And uh, and you're, you're looking, you're, there's a real damage to a vehicle. You're looking at it. You can see it. You're wondering aloud, I wonder what this was caused by. And someone says, maybe it was the lizard man. I mean, you know, that's, even in the book, you did a good job of, you know, he seemed to be playing it pretty cool, or at least it sounded like he did. But uh, that's a peculiar uh, speculation about the 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 possible cause, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, I don't think he expected to hear that. And, I mean, in some ways, lucky lucky for fans of Monster Tales, he didn't completely just dismiss it. And he thought, no, well, yeah, yeah. You know, these people, these are the people that, I mean, he, he's out there on the beat. He knows, you know, he knows these folks and he's thinking, well, there could be something to it. You know, even at the time, this is before Christopher Davis had come forward. So he just said, he basically said, hey, if anybody has seen this thing, I would like them to come to my office. You know, nobody's in trouble. Nobody's under arrest. Just, you know, I want to get to the bottom of it. So he kind of just played it cool. And, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, the case having been covered by the police and documented in such a way, like when when Christopher Davis came forward, you know, he took his statement, he made him draw a picture of the creature um, and all that. So it's, you know, all this is on record now. Most of the time encrypted cases, you know, the law enforcement just dismisses it out of hand before doing anything. So this was, this was something that I, for me, I was like, well, this is great. I've got police reports. And there's later police reports uh, from, from the witnesses, uh, from subsequent witnesses. So that was a great thing in this case. Yeah, it did remind me a little bit of Stranger Things, though. It, it, I kept imagining him sort of giving those. He didn't. He didn't mock anybody. It didn't sound like he. You know, he was. He, he listened honestly and and just uh, tried to get to the bottom of it, which was really cool. That's the right thing to do. Yeah, and I guess bringing up Stranger Things in some ways that I think think of it now. You know, at the time, Stranger Things wasn't out, but man, this is straight out of you know. Stranger Things, but this was real life. You yeah, know? yeah, very much so. And so there have been a lot of sightings over the years. Haven't there also been a couple of hoaxes? A few people who've just wanted to keep the legend going. Yeah, there. You know, there's some of that involved in this case, and uh, one guy sort of busted for that uh, because. Again, the sheriff actually went out and pursued this and ended up figuring out that the guy was uh, trying to pull a hoax. And there's there's other rumors. I mean, and this is the case in any cryptid case. I mean, there's always somebody that seems to claim ownership or they were responsible for this big – and let me tell you, there was a lot of news coverage. I mean, it was everywhere. I mean, uh, all the way from uh, Good Morning America doing a live broadcast from the swamp – it was on the CBS Evening News. I mean, it was everywhere. Wow. So you had a guy come forward, and, and he said he had hit the lizard man or something, and he, he said there were scales on his car, and they turned out to be fish scales. And he was 
you know, I mean, Sheriff Truesdale, that didn't fly. He figured this out quick. And the guy said he just wanted to keep the legend alive. Uh, and later on, this guy, this guy's brother, years and years, and I mean, like years later, 20 years later, claims that he, this guy was originally responsible for the whole thing because he, he was running around in the swamp with a mask on. Uh, of which, you know, you know that all the, all that sounds implausible as well, and some of the parts of that story don't add up. I, I don't know, but you know, you had other people who had had sightings, you know, uh, of the creature, and this guy certainly would have had his hands full over the years of spending all his time running around a swamp in a mask. I don't know, but yeah, there was there was some of those. And, and there were some footprints as well. They they were almost ridiculous, and that was no doubt some kids trying to, you know, add to the to the case here. Once it was in the papers, you know, inevitably these kids went out and stamped some ridiculous-looking three-toed tracks into the mud. And the you know the cops were were kind of spooked by it at first, but quickly figured out that you know these these were. Not real. Uh, so let's talk about the footprints. I mean, there, I wanted to talk about what evidence was found. The uh, The footprints are pretty peculiar because I think uh, our listeners will be very familiar with Bigfoot prints, uh, both those that look like they came from actual animals and those that look like they came from wooden. What would you call those? Fake feet? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like stamped feet. Stamped or feet, yeah. Feet stamps, yeah. So what did we see here? Yeah, in the in the case of the footprints, there it's almost like two kind of oval pads making up the the foot part and then three three toes and like the just it was very stamp like and and a lot of these swamp monster cases they always seem to have three toes even in the boggy creek case there was some footprints found and they were three-toed tracks and that's all fine and stuff but the the the, the lizard man tracks definitely looked they just didn't look like a real animal, you know, I mean, not at all. And I mean, people still, some people still debate about that or debate with me or whatever. It's like that, that can be thrown out of the case. Cause and it, it was also, I mean, the story of how the police found them and all that, how it unfolded is, is a cool story. And that's in the book, you know, obviously, but, but ultimately, you know, we, let's just, let's just be honest here. That, spoiler that alert. Just can't, <laughs> spoiler alert. You're right. I mean, I think if you look at the prints, you know, you can probably say those aren't real. And I think that's, you know, that confuses the case because, again, you have some really compelling sightings. And then all then you have all the, the riffraff that goes along with these cases where, you know, just because some kids tried to add their own stamps, so to speak, on the Lizard Man case doesn't mean that, you know, the other people didn't see something. Is there a single Lizard Man or are there claims of Lizard Men in the area? Well, I mean, you know, the the newspapers and, and in the lingo, it just was Liz, the Lizard Man. Bishopville Lizard Man or, or, you know, Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp. It just had that singular form. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, nobody really ever had nobody had a sighting in which they saw you know two or more together so right. for 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 the case itself it seemed very singular like it was a one individual but as you look at the sightings you do have some differences in the descriptions 
over the several years that it was cited, you know, to say that, well, I mean, I guess there could have been more than one creature or, you know, the perceptions of the witness just described it a little bit different. So hard to say, but it's it's kind of considered just the lizard man. It seemed like the uh, people were describing pretty different stuff. Some people were describing uh, something that was very lizard-like or reptilian, and some people were describing something that seemed much more like a Sasquatch. What, what did you make of all those different descriptions when you were collecting these stories? Yeah, I mean, that was certainly interesting, and certainly that you know just makes the case even harder to figure out or unravel because you know you had that you know the original sightings in 1988 were fairly you know in line with sort of a reptilian type anthropomorphic humanoid figure um but there was one in the 1990s a couple of years later in which a whole family saw something jump out into the road near Skateboard Swamp and it, they described it as being covered in hair they said it they had brownish hair and it walked upright and to me uh, I think they even used the word Sasquatch because there's police reports and it was cool because it had a whole family and they ended up going to the police with it and and Sheriff Truesdale separated them all and made them write down what they had seen and all these reports all their accounts you know line up they they're consistent it would definitely you know you read these these people definitely didn't make this up they saw something run out in that road but yeah, it's very much Bigfoot. So I thought, well, I mean, either that's just a coincidental thing. I mean, you got Bigfoot sightings in South Carolina as well, or perhaps the original witnesses. Maybe it was, you know, if the creature uh, was running from the swamp or something. You know, maybe it was wet. Uh, you know, had a had a had a mange problem or something. I don't know, but <laughs> to where it looked more reptilian, perhaps, even though it could have been. Uh, a Bigfoot, not to explain one cryptid with another, but that's, that's kind of <laughs> it gets real, yeah, real confusing. Well, it, I did it, you know, as a as a cryptozoology enthusiast. When when I saw you mentioned uh, Eric John Eric Beckyard had uh, commented on the case and interviewed people. <laughs> uh, it, it, our listeners, some of them will know Beckyard's work from like his photographs where he sees Bigfoot in everything. But he was really interested <laughs> in turning this into a Bigfoot story, which I thought was kind of telling and i also was reminded very much of the honey island swamp monster karen and i got to go take that swamp tour a few years ago and um the uh proprietor of the uh, tour told us that uh he knew a guy who had worked for nasa who uh who knew for a fact that the honey island swamp monster was a, a hoax and he gave us a phone number to call this guy who had been there when the guy came in and said that you know he was bragging about fooling the in search of crowd and uh but i never could get i the think guy we've still answer. got this um we've got a recording of this somewhere haven't we well i've <laughs> got I, I tried to i tried to get uh the guy they gave us a phone number and i tried to get him on the phone to talk to us and i guess he's quite elderly if he's still around but i've never got anybody to answer the phone so there's no voicemail mm. or anything. <laughs> I, mm. every now and then i'll go try to call but uh uh it's a it's a big disappointment because uh I, I, I'm, I'm suspicious about any claims where you've got a swamp monster with three toes that looks more like a reptile. I mean, because down there there's gators everywhere. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, it sounds awfully gator-like. Um, but, you know, Bigfoot was big at the time. Anyway, not to get off onto Honey Island, uh, but the, the, I saw a lot of parallels between what was going on there and what was going on here in Bishopville. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, like you say, they, they both had uh, purported three-toed tracks. You know, it's near a swamp. And I'm familiar with all the Honey Island Swamp Monster stuff. In fact, I cover that somewhat in my new book, Beyond Boggy Creek. But, um, yeah, you see those parallels and similarities and uh, and the three-toed tracks. And, it, you know, those are things that are consistent in these swamp monster cases. I just want to throw out, if you don't mind, the... the uh the fact that people will come forward and say it's a hoax can be problematic because that can be a claim. Somebody trying to claim it's a hoax is just as exciting as saying that they actually saw a monster. I mean, like people will say things. I, I you know, you make a really good, a lot of good points in here about uh, if someone's hoaxing, they're all over the place, right? A hoaxing story doesn't account for everything, basically. Yes, because because there was there was two people who roundabout. Almost through other, almost through secondhand stories, two people who claimed to be responsible for the Christopher Davis incident, in which you know it, it attacked him in the car. Okay, so now we definitely there can't be two hoaxers down there. If it was a hoax, there can't be two at the same time. Uh, things like that, and and again, the hoaxing stories, they just sort of say, yeah, I I, I was the one who jumped out on Christopher Davis, but they never they never. They never mention how in the world over the next two years they manages, you know, they managed to continue this thing, especially if they weren't from the area in which one of these guys wasn't. Um, so, yeah, those are, you know, find that in all these cases. I mean, the Lake Worth monster, which is close to my home in Texas, I researched that. There is more crazy hoax stories and more people claiming they had hoaxed it than almost than good sighting so you know those those things to me are seem like people trying to get attention yeah that was me me and my yeah. buddies we, <laughs> yeah. yeah we totally like did people, that sounds like people claiming to be jack the ripper that kind of thing <laughs> sure i mean and and so you got to watch out and you know and unfortunately what you have in cryptozoology i think people are so so um gung-ho to dismiss this stuff as soon as they hear oh i heard that was a hoax so it's mm-hmm. a hoax. It's like, well, do you know anything about that? And well, no, I heard, you know, some guy said he did it. Okay, but you know, they they haven't researched the case. All they heard, and then they base their opinion on the fact that, you know, just some rumor. But to me, that if you investigate these cases, you know, I'm 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 all about the story. Hey, if it leads to the the story of a hoax, fine. That's where I'm going to go. But it always leads to these dead ends. Like Blake said, you, you end up trying to call the guy, you try to con, it just goes nowhere. So it's another dead end. I think it's always good to investigate each claim or each case if possible. Sure. I mean, I, I kind of come at these as an investigative journalist first and then a, you know, a cryptozoologist quote unquote second, as far as to me, they're just, they're fascinating stories. And I, you know, I hope that, you know, these are, real creatures or could be proven or I could find some evidence that proves it, but it's equally as fascinating just the, the turn of events and the way it unfolds and, you know, sorting out whether somebody hoaxed it or they didn't. It's, you know, it's all part of the monster story, I think, you know. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, Lyle, there was a million-dollar reward that was offered for the capture of the creature. Could you tell us a little bit about this offer? Yeah, well... You know, again, some of these cases uh, have similarities where you have a lot of news coverage of of a 
particular creature and in same here uh, you had a columbia radio station who offered a one million dollar reward for the creature uh, i suppose that was dead or alive <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know of course nobody nobody was able to claim that money or come up with the creature themselves but it didn't stop people from trying i mean and this was always a real problem when you have you know, radio station, and this is probably in jest, obviously. Ah, well, we'll give somebody a million dollars, you bring the lizard man. Um, but it creates a huge problem for law enforcement because Sheriff <coughs> Truesdale said that on any given night on the road between uh, Bishopville and Skateboard Swamp, that it was just lined with people. And a lot of people were armed, and they're running around out there with guns, you know, uh, you know thinking they're going to shoot the creature so that ro- that reward just caused huge problems down there you know i remember uh, it's one of those things people kind of underestimate what people will do for money i, I when i was in college i had a, a friend who who held up a 50 dollar bill and said any of you can have this if you can take it from me which is a funny thing to say and then one of my other friends picked up a metal chair and hit him in the head and took it <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't you. It was not me. But it was one of those things where I realized, you know, you don't really know what people are going to do for money. <laughs> so maybe maybe be careful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, 50 bucks is one thing. A million dollars. It's mean, a this lot. Is... Yeah. In, in, in yeah. a county yeah. where everybody's got guns. Yeah, it's it's a dangerous offer. So, mm. yeah. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a you know, a big issue. And I mean, there's, there's, I've got all, you know, all the old newspaper clips and it's kind of fun to read those, especially where they're just talking about the yahoos that were running around down there with guns. And I mean, you know, just, yeah, you're just kind of, your mind is blown. Like, God, these people, I mean, you know, would have shot at anything. I don't think I would have gone in running around down there, you know, as yeah, not a safe place to be hosting at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, ultimately, your your target is a humanoid, tall, humanoid, upright creature. Well, I, I could fit that description, and just as well, I could be shot. So, yeah, crazy. Would you like to talk a little bit about the difference between um, this uh, Bishopville lizard man and the sort of David Ike lizard man or reptilians? Sure, and that that obviously is something that's going to enter the conversation when talking about, you know, lizard men, uh, reptilians. And, you know, it's it's kind of, I guess in my mind, two separate things. I mean, for me, the lizard man case was primarily a cryptozoology case where the people had described seeing something in a swampy area, a uh, rugged area. There was... It appeared to be flesh and blood. It didn't disappear or, you know, materialize. It didn't appear to have come from a UFO or anything else. It was just some sort of a, you know, humanoid-looking creature. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Now, with David Icke, he has uh, written extensively and, and theorized that there is a race of reptilians which exists among us, and they have the ability to cloak themselves in human form. And at times, you know, they could slip up or what have you, and you could see their their uh, snake-like eyes or something, and this would reveal them. In fact, he's got a huge list of celebrities that are supposedly reptilians. But to me, that just seemed, you know, a little bit further removed from, you know, just some some old boy seeing something in a swamp and saying, I've seen this weird creature, as opposed to sort of that conspiracy thing where you've got a race of reptilians. And, and some of the some of it crosses over in that some of the theory is that these reptilians have lived underground. They're subterranean creatures, and that's uh, whether they're, you know, evolved dinosaurs or they've been here, you know, before, you know, man populated the earth or whatever the case is, that they live in caverns under the earth. And so, you know, it kind of comes up that, well, maybe the, this lizard man was one of them that popped up there out of a cavern in, in in South Carolina, of which there's really no cave systems there. And, I mean, it is a singular creature. I thought, well, what in the world would this thing be popping up in the middle of, of you know, the, the swamp? What, what purpose would that? Because the David Icke thing is more of this, uh, this conspiracy that these reptilians have infil- infiltrated our government. So you'd be more likely to f- see a reptilian at the White House in which I think is totally plausible in my mind. <laughs> I mean, come on. But, you know, they're, they're have to say it. Yeah, but, you know, I'll say it. And, and so, you know, you would be at a, a perhaps a, a benefit dinner there and run across a reptilian. So that, that to, to me, that's where his stuff lies. And then, then there's the extraterrestrial sort of profile of the lizard man or the, uh, you know, the reptilian alien. And that, that would, uh, obviously require, in my mind, some UFO sightings or UFO activity or something of which there really wasn't any that corresponded to these Bishopville uh, lizard man incidents. Yeah, that's the uh, one of those distinctions, the uh, flesh and blood versus uh, sort of uh, supernatural, extraterrestrial, uh, super-powered uh, aliens, you know, shape-changing, all that sort of thing. Th- if this is related in any way, this seems like the uh, sort of sleazy uh, uh, cousin, right? It's because this is some low power. There's not a lot of political power. 
uh, in the swamps, right? <laughs> it does. It seems more like yeah. an animal, or you know, than a uh, or, or a flesh and blood creature than a you know uh, grand conspiracy sort of thing. Yeah, that's. It. But uh, we we do. It's interesting. We've covered the sort of David Icke ones before, and we've uh, talked about that a little bit. But we really haven't gotten into these uh, reptilian version of a, of a flesh and blood creature, primarily because it is. Uh, I think there's there's these interesting challenges from a biological perspective. If you assume or if you accept evolutionary biology as as being uh, ex- you know accurate, then there's not really uh, any sort of uh, evidence of a of a of a reptilian bipedal intelligent or humanoid creature. This that that's it's so it's alien in the sense that it's alien from what science tells us about what's plausible. But not necessarily alien from the sense that it couldn't exist. Like, there's no reason it couldn't physically be such a creature. It's not doing anything supernatural. It's just wandering around the swamps. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, there's certainly more of a, of a leap in biological mashup here between sort of reptilian human form as opposed to, say, Bigfoot, where you can say, well, it, you know, this could be an ape or, you know, a highly evolved, uh, you know, ape of some sort okay well you know apes exist yeah yeah you know but it's more of a leap when you have like you say something that we don't have you know we don't have anything close comparison to sort of a reptilian that you know that was intelligent that walked completely upright like a human although there there are some i don't know hypothetical theories and things there was a couple of scientists that you know kind of extrapolated on what would happen if certain types of dinosaurs had lived on, that they would evolve into more of a upright stance. Um, And as they did, their brain, uh, you know, their skull cranium capacity would grow and their brains could get larger. And, you know, it's called the, the dinosauroid. And it's sort of a extrapolation on on what could be and it it makes a lot of sense and these guys made a model of it uh they had published a paper in 1982 i believe talking about this dinosaur roid and it's a pretty cool thought and their little model of it that they created looks looks like well you know yeah but you know if dinosaurs did survive then they could have you know modeled into something like that and perhaps if they lived underground you know those are sort of reaching sort of hypothetical situations, but again, it would just end up as more of a flesh and blood blood creature again, not something that you know has the ability to cloak itself or is beamed here from another planet or anything sure so uh, years ago um, Lyle, I'd written about a creature an alleged creature called Frog boy uh, that was apparently discovered in Colorado and um so just in investigating this creature i found that it seems as though it's an urban legend that was actually trans transplanted from another story uh which took place in ohio the loveland frog so in your book you cover a lot of related stories about uh similar creatures to the the lizard man can you tell us a little bit about some of those other claims uh sure you know and in looking at the lizard man case one of the things that's seems only natural to do is look around to see if there were any other reports on record that 
had any similarities to the creature that was described here because, again, it does seem so isolated. And you do have some cases where the creature is essentially the same description, um, and then you have some that are reptilian or amphibious sort of in nature that are completely different. And that the Loveland frog case would be something that's, you know, relatable, but definitely not described like the lizard man. That was more of a somewhat of a diminutive reptilian or amphibious creature, sort of like a frog. Um, and that, that the Loveland frog case, you know, truly happened um, in Ohio. And that was something the police had reported, not true in the sense that the reports happened and, and all that, not that the creature was proved. But um, you have some other ones around um, in British Columbia, one called the Thetis Lake Monster. And in this one, some boys allegedly saw um, a sort of a dinosaur humanoid type creature come out of a lake up there, Thetis Lake, and it ran amok and disappeared. We have to mention Daniel Oxen and Junior Skeptic, uh, who uh, Dan was one of the people who ran down that, that case, and you mentioned him in the book, uh, sort of tracked down the source of that. I, I mentioned it because uh, that's it kind of fits into that whole uh, things that happened after The Creature of the Black Lagoon uh, came out, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, and, and, and that whole idea of... Uh, movie monsters inspiring people to see things and I, i've started calling those creatures that are inspired by movies as scripteds which i just love yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no that's i love that that's great and yeah you you really have to look close at that because in this case there was one the one one of the ones that had a very similar description to the lizard man um occurred in california in 1958 in which a, a a guy, Charles Wetzel, was driving along uh, near the Santa Ana River, and something came up and ran across the road there. And it's somewhat described like the Lizard Man, although I think he said it had more of a beak. But this was in 1958, and I think the creature from Black Lagoon came out in, like, 1954. And so, yeah, that's yeah, kind of suspect where, you know, a few years later, suddenly – you know, somebody reports seeing a creature that also corresponds to the description of the creature from the Black Lagoon. So, yeah, that's that's very script scripted uh, <laughs> like in description, and you know that's a spooky little encounter and cool. But he, most of the other ones, like that is Lake Monster and I mean, Gator Man and and Loveland Frog, I find those to have less credibility almost than the than the bishopville lizard man case um and a lot of those people have come forward and and claimed it was a hoax and in those cases you know it was like the loveland frog i think it was fairly clear it wasn't necessarily hoax but they just kind of blew it out of proportion and i think that it was just more of like a couple of little incidents yeah it's a strange story but you did a good job of covering it including the uh evansville uh weird hand grabbing the woman we talked about a few weeks ago when we were doing the uh, uh kelly hopkinsville goblins that that seemed to predate the whole kelly goblins just not by very much at all like it, it seemed like the uh the people who saw the goblins had just come back from evansville and that whole incident had been in the newspaper just a few days before they headed back down to uh, Kentucky. It's uh, 
the the 1950s were a crazy time for UFOs and monsters, man. It was like everywhere. Still on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that one on the Ohio River where it grabs the woman, you know, that obviously definitely seems, you know, while it was in the river, it was very swamp monster-esque. And it yeah, was very, yeah. Uh, it, it felt really creature from the Black Lagoon over again. I mean, yeah, very much so. So, you know, you have those. One of my favorites, though, in, in, the, in the ones where I compare it to other cases that I, I can't quite explain away as well is that uh, there was an incident my buddy Charlie Raymond, he's a he's a Bigfoot researcher in Kentucky in that area. He he fielded a report that just sort of was like, well, you know, I never seen a Bigfoot, but I saw something really strange. And this guy said in 1966, when he was young, uh, he lived in a very isolated uh, part of Kentucky. You know, this is out in the woods, and he he looked out his back window uh, late at night and saw this creature, which kind of fit. A lizard man description um, with sort of reptilian skin and webbed fingers, and he saw it creep through his backyard and disappear into the woods. You know, this this was something that happened, you know, from well before the lizard man sightings, before Loveland Frog, uh, you know, before any of that would have been known to anybody. And you know, I look at that and say, wow, it's either the guy's hallucinating or he saw something because the possibility of a hoax in that case was. I think fairly low because to have a lizard man costume of any sort in 1966 in a rural part of Kentucky is pretty slim. So <laughs> I don't know how to explain that report. And that, that was one that sounded lizard man-esque and was fairly intriguing. So without spoiling the book, what did you make of all of these strange incidents in the end? I think like in, in, in the other cases I've looked at here, you know, so I always feel that these people saw something. I mean, it just wasn't pure fabrication. It wasn't a masterminded hoax. Um, you know, something was at the bottom of this. And, and you know, and, and usually the case when, you know, you, you sure you could have some original witnesses seeing something and then some people interpreting things after that. But, you know, something attack, attacked Christopher Davis. You've got, you've got police backing you up. The guy took a lie detector. Just absolutely no no doubt that something came after Christopher Davis. So the question is, what was that? And um, I think these these folks down there and, and the fact that the police looked into it uh, just all point to the fact that, man, something weird was going on down there. Somebody saw something and, you know, it, it just is sort of that monster mystery that just lives on and will continue to live on, you know, as as – as people bring more pieces of the story up and things like that. So I, I thought there's something to it, you know, and I, I don't think it necessarily an alien or anything else. And to me, it was just a good old fashioned monster tale of, of modern times in which people saw a real life creature from the black lagoon. If you know, for lack of a better term. Well, I, I think you do a really good job in the book of capturing all these weird uh, disparate stories from people seeing different things, and uh, you, you don't make a lot of you. Don't, you don't try to force it into a narrative. You you just re, you know give the information and your thoughts. And I th it's a really good book. You did a, another good job, Lyle. Are there any sightings coming out lately, or are people still seeing the lizard man, or what's going on with like uh, that community now as far as the monster goes? I know they have a festival and a few other things going on. Yeah. Uh 
you know, there's been there's there hasn't been any credible sightings coming out of there. Now there's been a few uh, ridiculous looking photos and some things that make the news every once in a while out of there. I mean, everybody down there knows of the lizard man, so it's something that is part of the culture at this point, really. And uh, but you know, I, nothing's come to my attention where I thought it was a credible sighting. There's been a few more car maulings of which I never really felt that was necessarily connected to the lizard man. Just it just so happened it corresponded to the same weirdness that was going on. But um, so you know. There, there's nothing going on. There's, as far as I know, and I'm, I'm not even, I don't even know the details, but supposedly there's going to be a Lizard Man Festival this year that's going to happen in June, I believe. And I'm supposed to be the, the presenter and the, I guess, you know, the historian, and I'm going to be down there for this. And I think they want to, you know, like a lot of these towns, hey, it's part of the culture and they want to make something out of it um, and have some fun with it or whatever. And so, I was like, wow, this is great. You know, I'll be glad to participate in that and uh, come down there. So I think, you know, look for this big Lizard Man Festival for June and, uh, you know, the legend lives on. So send us some uh, links if you have any and I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, Yeah, think- we should go to that, Like, <laughs> Oh, I'd love to go to that. It's not that far from me. Uh, do, do you? Is it going to be big scale? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be big scale if it's the lizard man. Hey, let me tell you something. I, I, in all honesty, you you squeezed a lot of puns in this book. I I, I have to assume you're aware of it, especially the uh, my favorite was uh, reptile dysfunction as a chapter title. That's that's rock solid, my friend. That's good stuff. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. Yes, I amuse myself. He's wanting to steal it for this show. Oh, dude, that one. Feel free to borrow it. It. Yeah, I, I, that was going to say that one if you didn't say it because I was so proud of that. No, no, it's good. It's, it's rock solid. It's, uh, I won't, you I know, won't. Rock won't. solid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I, Lyle, I, sorry. No, I was say, yeah, it's, it's good fun as you, in these books to come up with those puns. So, Lyle, you're always working on something interesting. Can you tell us what you're working on now? Well, I, I, this year I came out with a new book called Beyond Boggy Creek in Search of the Southern Sasquatch. I'll mention that because uh, it was kind of a follow-up to my Beast of Boggy Creek book, which was uh, came out as my first book. And Beyond Boggy Creek sort of goes, well, beyond Boggy Creek and, and looks at similar cases all throughout the South. So it's sort of a the definitive Southern Sasquatch book, if you will. So um, – that's been the latest. Uh, I'm working now with Small Town Monsters um, film company out of Ohio, Seth Breedlove, and we've been doing some documentaries. I worked with them on a Boggy Creek monster documentary. Uh, I was the executive producer and narrator for their ever-popular Mothman of Point Pleasant documentary. Um, in the coming year, I'm going to be joining forces again to do a documentary on uh, the Beast of Bray Road, Bray Road Beast as we'll be calling it. So um, some film work, and there's some other really big stuff that I'm currently working on that I can't quite say yet um, because partially I'm I'm not sure of any sort of release dates, but let me say this is like, this is kind of a notch up in the next level of, of monster adventure for Lyle Blackburn. Cool. I picked Ooh. up your Monstro Bizarro book. I'm looking forward to reading that too. <laughs> Yes, and there's that, which is a, it's a little bit different than my sort of, you know, nonfiction narrative 
books, and that one—that's a book I wrote for Rue Morgue magazine, uh, the horror magazine that I write for, and they do these library edition books. So they asked me to do one on cryptozoology, and in Rue Morgue, I kind of kind of look at the culture of cryptozoology in movies and and uh, you know other other things. So it was a cool cool book to do, um, where it was just heavy graphics and uh, written up, you know. Bigfoot movies and you know cheesy cryptid movies and everything in between. So that that was a fun project. Very cool. I'm looking forward to reading it. It's on my uh, to do list. It's there right next to my bed. So I, I, it looks beautiful. So I'm I'm hoping to actually put the words in my head soon. Uh, <laughs> you yes. mentioned a lot of uh, related movies in the book. Would you be okay with us reprinting that list of uh, swamp monster movies in the show notes? Yeah, sure. Feel free. Okay, and since we normally ask, you know, what's your favorite monster? We've already done that with you. Yeah. Uh, but yep. would you uh, mind giving us uh, one or two favorite Swamp Monster movies that people might enjoy giving a, a watch? I'm going to go see Guillermo del Toro's new movie, The Shape of Water, which is another kind of Gilman movie uh, tomorrow. I'm super excited about that. But you, you listed a lot of great movies in there. Uh, do you want to pick a couple that you could talk about? Uh, sure. And and let me say the. The Shape of Water, the new Del Toro movie, is awesome. It's uh, super cool. You look beautiful, man. I, I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. He knows how to do it up. And I mean, it's, you know, it's not a rampaging monster movie, uh, you know, you, you know, of which I like rampaging monster movies. But yeah, it was a great movie. So I would put that on there as sort of a, you know, modern spin on a creature from the black lagoon and definitely uh, a must see. And, you know, of course the creature in the black lagoon is my all time favorite swamp monster movie. Um, but you know, there's other ones. If you haven't, if you haven't seen the alligator people from 1959, that's a highly recommended in which a guy uh, down in the Louisiana swamps, uh, you know, ends up, uh, you know, <clears throat> turning into a, a swamp monster. I'll get you, alligator man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that that that's a must on swamp monster movies. Um, let's see. Let me think. I mean, Swamp Thing obviously is a good one tied into the to the comic book. I love the comic book. Um, and uh, Humanoids from the Deep. That's always been one of my favorite um, sort of swampy water monster type thing so humanoids from the deep the original i think they did they remake that i, th- I like the original 1980 Roger they, they did a sequel i saw the sequel in theaters which was uh, disturbing <laughs> that's uh if, if you ever read hp lovecraft and you you wonder like what's it like when those deep ones actually hook up with earth women or land you know, terrestrial women uh what you get to find out that's uh, <laughs> right it's a i think disturbing. i do <laughs> Yeah, I think I remember that, but actually, but uh, yeah, I've always, but yeah, I'm like the 1980 uh, version, you know, is is humanoids from the deep. It's always been a favorite movie. It's cheesy, but still pretty creepy and cool, and the monsters are cool. So that would be a, a definite on the list. Um, yeah, that's got a, that's got Doug McClure in it, uh, who they're always making fun of on The Simpsons. Uh, oh but, yay. yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, and then uh, like Troy McClure. Yeah. Land of the Lost, you know, those that old series had the Slee Stacks, which I, I loved. Oh, kind yeah. Of the, in fact, I'm really excited because I'm going to be at the Pensacola Comic Con, like, in February. And I, 
and I saw, and I hope they're still going to be there, the entire cast of The Land of the Lost. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I love that show. Yeah, that's one of those. Yeah. I, I actually just got those on DVD recently, and uh, but I love the Enoch and uh, uh, Will and Holly Marshall, and uh, yeah, oh God, that's a good show. The the whole the pylons, uh, yeah. Chaka and and uh, Alice and all you know the Alasor. It just it's it's such a weird, creepy show, and it's such an interesting mix of puppets and stop motion and you know animation and. Um, uh, it's just a fun show. It's a really fun show. I didn't like the movie that much, but I really enjoyed the TV show. Yeah, I didn't like the movie, but yeah, that that TV show when I was growing up was in, it was inspiring, and you know, it was almost like they go, "What are all the cool stuff like a kid would like? Let's throw dinosaurs and sort of monkey creatures, and you know, the, alien technology, the, lizard people. Yeah. It's got everything. You know, it's really Every, good. Everything, and I was. You know, I was in love with Holly. I don't even know what she looks like or, you know, or whatever. But I mean, you know, I remember like, oh man, I, that she was so hot. So you know, that to me had everything—girls and monsters and aliens. Oh yeah, yeah. So. I, I w- probably one of the, that and the space giants were like two of my favorite things to watch when I got home from school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And look what it did to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, look at it's us. Like warning in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's uh, I love skepticism, but I love monsters, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, you got to look at it from all angles because that's what you know. It's what you need. So it create, yeah, creates creates good dialogue. We love the stories and the folklore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, secret worlds. I never was really clear on what happened when they went down that, you know, they, they're riding down the raft and they fall into a crack in the earth. But it seems like they go to another dimension. I never got the impression they were in the earth. It's probably not important, but I really did love that show a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you're overthinking it. I don't yeah, maybe, think maybe. Thought. They're like, he always does. Do? Yeah, it's like yeah, big waterfall. They crash, and then they're here. Like, they're yeah, like, Walter Koenig. Oh my god, I am so old. I can't remember things anymore. But Walter <laughs> Koenig. Uh, I think he wrote some of the episodes for the show. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even know that. That's yeah, cool. I'm so. a big Star Trek fan. So. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, th- Lyle, thank you for uh, coming back and talking with us again. I really enjoyed your book. Yeah, and uh, it was good to talk to you again. I saw that. Um, Crypticon's uh, getting set up for the next year. I'm hoping to be able to go back to that again if they'll have me. So maybe I'll see you there. Yeah, definitely. I hope so. Cool. Yeah, we're going to have to keep in touch and have you on the show again. Absolutely. All right, Anytime. sir. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Thank you, Lyle. Happy New Year. All right. Happy New Year. Talk to you later, guys. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Karen Stoltzner. And I'm Blake Smith. We just heard an interview with author Lyle Blackburn about his book, Lizard Man, The True Story of the Bishopville Monster. A link to his book and other references in the episode will be in the show notes at monstertalk.org. The story of Bishopville is repeated in many small-town monster stories. Something strange is seen, people are ridiculed, hoaxes and copycats emerge, some take it seriously and others claim to be behind it, and eventually it becomes part of the annual events of the community, the heart of a festival, and the subject of documentaries and sensational TV shows. But behind all that is another pattern of people seeing something unusual and not knowing what to make of it. Science provides us with a framework to examine the meager physical evidence of the lizard man, and this creature comes far short of plausibility. But outside the question of whether there was ever really a lizard man, 
Bishopville shows us other patterns. The small-town monster that becomes an icon for a community. The sincere witnesses who try to make sense of their unusual experiences. And the local characters who try to make money or fame by injecting themselves into the narrative through hoaxes or embellished stories. Blackbird's an excellent guide through this particular quagmire. A link to his book and other works are in the show notes at monstertalk.org. Monster Talk's an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views expressed on this show are those of myself and my guests and do not necessarily represent the views of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. If you'd like to learn more about the views of Skeptic Magazine, you could travel to the rural south, rent an airboat, hire a burly but lovable swamp guide, and head out into the unknown. Or you could just get the Skeptic app and have the magazine delivered right to your mobile device. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. There we have links to our Patreon pages as well as a donation button. A great way to support the show is to buy us books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindle, and we can share our digital library with each other. Finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please, share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thanks again for listening. that you can now subscribe to Skeptic Magazine digitally? Just grab our free Skeptic Magazine app, currently compatible with iOS, Android, PC, Mac, Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire HD, and BlackBerry Playbook. Head over to skeptic.com magazine app to find out more and download more of your favorite Skeptic content. Lon Chaney as the hook-armed, hate-maddened Cajun. I'll kill you, alligator man! Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.